everybody. My name is Shauna, and this is the American English Podcast. My goal here is to teach you the English spoken in the United States. Through common expressions, pronunciation tips, and interesting cultural snippets or stories, I hope to keep this fun, useful, and interesting. Let's do it. Hi, everyone. I hope that you're doing well wherever you're at in the world. Today, we'll be talking about American barbecue. But before we begin, I figured I'd share a little bit about what we did last weekend. For the first time in our lives, and I mean in my life, Lucas's life, and Julia's life, we stayed at an RV park. RV stands for Recreational Vehicle. And just like its name, the vehicle is intended for recreation. So for fun, for going out and exploring new places. In the U.S., there are a lot of RV parks near scenic locations where visitors can stay for a fee. Some people choose to stay for weeks at a time, whereas others just pass through. Anyway, we were there because my sister-in-law and brother recently bought an RV and invited us to come hang out. Every member of her extended family came in their own RVs, and we all agreed to social distance. The thing is, neither Lucas and I nor my parents have an RV. (laughs) My family has always been and will probably always be the camping type. So we brought our tents and pitched them right next to the RVs, rolled out our sleeping bags, and then took a walk around. And while weaving our way through the windy streets, we passed hundreds of RVs parked next to each other. Many people who were huddled around each other in foldable chairs smiled and waved at us as we passed, and a good number of people shouted things to me about camping while being pregnant. It almost felt like we were in a small town and everybody knew each other. Also, it was impossible not to notice the blatant similarities between the lots. Many of the owners we passed had giant four-door Ford trucks probably to help pull the trailers, actually. And uh, a lot of them had dogs, lots of dogs. Many trucks that we saw had American flag stickers on their windows, and some had American flags sticking from the beds of the trucks, which were also filled with inner tubes for the lake. Many families had quads for off-roading, and most families had grills for barbecuing. Anyway, I'm 31 years old, And I'm wondering how I've never realized there's a strong RV culture. I'm curious now, do these sorts of parks exist where you're from? Have you ever been to one of these parks before? I feel like when I've lived abroad, I've only ever seen camper vans, which are sort of mini mobile homes or motor homes that have beds inside of them. And you're connected to the front part of the vehicle where you actually sit and drive. But I don't know. You guys tell me. I'm very curious. One last story, and we'll get to the topic. Um, So two nights ago, when we were still there, I talked to my sister-in-law's cousins, two boys, uh, 10 and 15 years old, who had spent the last two weeks fishing from sunup to sundown. They were telling me about how they hand-fed deer in our campsite the night before we came. When I asked them if they were afraid, they sort of laughed and explained how they go hunting all the time. 
They hunt deer and ducks, pigs, coyotes, and they even got a bear recently. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Do you guys have your own guns? And they responded, yeah, but they're registered under our parents' names. And then, of course, I had a follow-up question. (laughs) So you guys hunted and killed a bear? Yeah. And that's when my brother chimed in and said that these two boys eat every last bit of every animal that they kill, except the bones, of course. They make sausages and fillets out of most of the meat. Then I asked... So did you guys eat the bear? And it turns out they had eaten bear barbecue. Now, I want to ask you, have you ever paused and compared your lifestyle to other people in your country? Now, I have absolutely no sort of judgment towards these boys or their lifestyle. It's just interesting how people that grow up in such close proximity to one another can have such different lifestyles. You won't find me with a big truck with an American flag on it. I won't likely ever own a gun, and you couldn't pay me to go hunting. But some people have these things and do these things, and some of these people are in my immediate circle. It just made me reflect on how it's impossible to have stereotypes about any country or any group of people who live in a certain place just because all of us have our own life experiences. So, yeah, I just thought that was a little interesting thing I was reflecting on this weekend. So speaking of bear barbecue, I'd like to begin the topic of the day, which is American barbecue. Rest assured, most of us don't actually eat bears. (laughs) This will be a five-minute English episode. So as usual, you'll learn all of the vocabulary needed to have a conversation in this particular topic. Some of the things that will be covered in this one will be the brief history of barbecue, different regional styles in the U.S., meat prep, and of course, the side dishes, which we also call fixins. If you want to get in-depth bonus material for this episode and all previous episodes, which include definitions of key vocabulary, vocabulary exercises and quizzes, be sure to sign up to the classroom at AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. So yeah, let's dive in. Historians believe that controlled fires used for cooking started as early as 800,000 to 1 million years ago. From rubbing sticks together in early years to striking flint repeatedly against hard minerals, hunter-gatherers mastered the art of building fire. They knew how to get a spark, how to interpret smoke, and could pinpoint the perfect moment for embers to be transferred to tinder, tinder to kindling, and kindling to firewood. Building a fire was a survival skill, and over time, cooking with it became essential. The extreme heat not only killed parasites in food, but it expanded the range of foods that could be eaten and how they could be prepared. Food and fire became the yin and yang of barbecue. Modern barbecuing methods and styles, however, did not develop overnight. Etymologists say that the term barbecue dates back hundreds of years ago to an indigenous Caribbean group of people called Taino. 
In their native language, Bara Biku means the sacred fire pit, and barbacoa refers to the wooden framework above the flames. Traditional barbecuing among the Taino was a process in which whole lambs or other animals would roast for hours in an underground pit. Pit masters would place leaves or coal above the dead animal and light them. Below the animal, a pot would be placed where the drippings from the roasting meat could fall and later be used for broth. When Columbus came to the Americas in 1492, with his Spanish fleet, they discovered this practice of barbecuing and raved about it back in Spain. Shortly afterward, Spaniards brought pigs to Florida, not knowing that the decision would alter southeastern barbecue forever. These pigs became a staple of Cajun and Southern cultures. Today, many Southern states have pig pickings on special holidays and weddings. A pig pickin is an event in which an entire pig is roasted over low heat for hours. When done, it is sliced down the middle, and guests serve themselves by picking pulled pork directly from the pig's belly. Now, in the U.S., there are four well-known dominant styles of barbecue. Carolina-style barbecue is one of the oldest and is characterized by slow-roasting pig or pig parts with a vinegar-based marinade. Within North Carolina, two distinct styles exist, Eastern and Lexington. Typically, Eastern barbecue includes a whole pig, or hog, which is smoked for hours in a smoker filled with hickory or oak wood. During the process, pitmasters may salt the pig or baste it in a peppery vinegar marinade. Once done, about 12 hours later, the pig's insides are chopped, mixed, and served with a side of mayo-based coleslaw. Lexington style is pork shoulder and is also slow cooked. As a marinade, they use a tangy vinegar pepper mix with tomato sauce and other spices. As a side, they might have a barbecue-based slaw and hush puppies. Memphis style is another dominant style of barbecue in the U.S. And like Carolina style, it requires a smoker or a pit. Pitmasters in Memphis specialize in pork and particularly ribs. Rib meat is often prepared by patting the raw meat with a dry rub. Dry rubs are unique to each pitmaster, but are usually a salty mix of herbs and spices. It's the seasoning of the meat. Some who go the wet route may concoct their own special marinade to coat the meat throughout the cooking process. Kansas style is the third style of barbecue, and it's much broader in terms of what can be served. Pork, beef, chicken, turkey, mutton, anything goes. In addition to pitmasters smoking meat for hours, you'll also see grillmasters sear meat in a matter of minutes. If you want your steak raw, rare, medium, medium well, or well done, it's really up to you. What makes something Kansas style is the sauce. Barbecue sauce is the chef's signature, and it can come as a marinade on the meat or as a dipping sauce on the side. Texas style is the fourth style. While southern states are populated with pigs, Texas has more cattle than any other U.S. state. 
it's no wonder why Texas is all about the beef. When in Texas, you can order steak and ribs, but to be like a local, you should order brisket. Brisket is one of the cheapest beef cuts in the U.S., and it's got a reputation for being incredibly challenging to prepare. According to Aaron Franklin from the famous Franklin's Barbecue, mastering a brisket is one-third the cut, one-third skill, and one-third luck. First, you want to find good meat. He recommends beef that is labeled as prime or Angus because it'll have better marbling. Marbled meat means that the cow was healthy and could graze during its lifetime. Secondly, once you have a good cut, your brisket needs to be trimmed properly. Thirdly, you need good dry wood that lights easily. After all, the wood is what gives the meat its regional flavor, according to Franklin. In Texas, post oak is used. Lastly, you need to time it well. 12 hours between 240 and 280 degrees are the magic numbers. In Texas and across the U.S., barbecue is not barbecue without the fixins, and they're often served on the side or a la carte. Common fixins include hush puppies, corn on the cob, coleslaw, baked beans, potato salad, buttermilk biscuits, mashed potatoes and gravy, green bean casserole, and macaroni and cheese. Not to mention dessert is also an option. So peach cobbler and apple pie with vanilla ice cream might also be on the menu. In the U.S., people host barbecues on weekends, for birthdays, and always on holidays such as Memorial Day, the 4th of July, and Labor Day. As discussed here, American barbecue is highly regional and can include simplistic items such as hamburgers and hot dogs to smoked brisket, steaks, and whole roasted pigs. For many Americans in areas that do not have strong barbecuing culture, barbecuing and grilling are interchangeable terms. For the pros, barbecuing only refers to a slow cooking process over low heat and grilling is a quick process with direct dry heat. Nowadays, competitive barbecuing is common. Competitions exist across the U.S. where a wide range of flavor-packed meats and fixins are served. So come, open your mind and your mouth, and see if the hype is all that it's cracked up to be. That's it for this five-minute episode. I'd like to mention that when Lucas and I were dating, we spent three months together in Austin, Texas, where brisket seems to never run out. Having no car, we spent the summer traveling around in Ubers and had a ritual of asking local drivers where to find the best barbecue. Apart from Franklin's, we were led to Terry Black's Barbecue, and it was a meal that we will remember for the rest of our lives. Check it out if you go there. And check out some of the links I will also post on the episode webpage. I think you'll learn a few things. So hope you enjoyed and hope you have a nice day. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the American English Podcast. Remember, it's my goal here to not only help you improve your listening comprehension, but to show you how to speak like someone from the States. If you want to receive the full transcript for this episode, or you just want to support this podcast, make sure to sign up to premium content on AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Thanks and hope to see you soon.